Hey guys, it's Katie and Mandy. Welcome to the Dirty Britches Minisode. Hi, it's Hello Mandy again. and Katie, your favorite fun ruiners. <laughs> our dirty laundry we're here to talk about all the dirt in white Mm -hmm. women's history mostly in the u.s we bring in some other stuff mostly history but we also bring it to current day and that's what we're doing on this mini-sode today is like the perfect current events combined with history and actually like you the the u.s I don't know that like the United States in relation to the rest of the world. I know we have future, a future season plan to talk about the U S and imperialism and how white women played a really important role in that in, in a really awful way. Mm-hmm. Um, so today, yeah, we're going to talk about, I teased it at the end of the last mini but we're going to talk about something called anthropology days mm. for people who have listened to previous, a previous Minnesota where we talked about the veiled profit ball. It's like that level of absurd. This is not like anthropology, the store that you can go in. Because <laughs> right? that oh sounds God. fun. They have now we're going to get sued. They're like, we have had nothing to do with the racist history of the Olympics. I don't know why that's my anthropology, but come get very overpriced sweaters that are strange looking. And some tableware. Like it's such a weird, <laughs> weird whatever. Uh, anyway, tangent. This is also going to be a mini so chock a black full of tangents. So th- yeah. I love these. These are fun. Okay, but it yeah. is just depressing and weird. So let's yes. dive in because I know this is a mini sode and we could just chat all day about how everybody's doing, but we gotta nail this yes. stuff down. But go so, back and listen if you haven't to the last mini sode, which is about the Olympics being racist and bullshit <laughs> today. <Sorry. laughs> yeah. But here's what, you know, I, I wasn't watching the Olympics. I was telling Mandy that I just haven't really paid much attention at all for various reasons. Um, mainly just the general malaise <laughs> that I'm experiencing. A little but, low level depression. <laughs> just mild, mm-hmm. you know, the huge, but I, um, I really wasn't, I, I was surprised surprised by the specifics, but having dived into the history of it, it just feels like, oh, it would be weirder if it weren't that. Like, Mm -hmm. that's how it starts Um, as the modern iteration. I did not go deep dive into like OG Olympics. So I really don't know much about that except for picturing like naked men wrestling. wrestling. Yep. That's That's all I know. Why is that all we know? (laughs) That's That's how it started, right? Just... Mm -hmm balls flopping around. I just have to imagine that being like the most painful, dangerous sport. Okay. Here's what happens. There's okay. a, so there's like a long time that the, there was an emperor or somebody who had banned the Olympics, but basically like medieval times, it like kind of stays alive um, primarily in Europe as like comp- competitive sporting events, I guess, like loosely sort of, keeps the flame alive no (laughs) pun intended um but it pops back up again uh in much wenlock england in 1850 and it's this guy and now i can't think of his name penny brooks or something like that was this doctor who got it started but i love the events a blindfolded wheelbarrow race Another one was um, <laughs> this is like your family reunion. 
getting one of this one. Yes. Um, one was an old woman's race for a pound of tea. Oh, yay. We could compete. So basically like granny's <laughs> racing for tea. And then a pig chase. Um, I mean, just really, yeah, like exactly yeah. like family reunion sort of summer picnic kinds of games. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, there was this French guy, which I'm going to butcher his name, Pierre Corbetan, I think is how you say it. Sounds right. Sure. Combatant. <laughs> I cannot speak French to save my life. Like my accent is horrible. So, okay. the So he had been for a while, like fantasizing about reviving the games and he'd read some book about the British love of sport. And so he got really excited. So he's like traveling around trying to talk this up and like launches official committees with fancy ladderhead and is really trying to get people excited. And then kind of at the same time, really elite boarding schools start playing ball games but they had for a long time refused to play them because they were low class games mm. and so they preferred the hunt like oh, fox right, chasing right, right. but then that they start sense. getting into like rugby and cricket and whatever so okay. um this one olympic historian called the original kind of committee of people congenial well-meaning second rate second rank intellectuals, academicians, and bureaucrats, which like (laughs) nerds, like not athletes, basically, is the translation for that. Um, And so then basically Corbutan shows up at this much one-locked place and sees them having these games and people get laurel wreaths and there's like parades and it's like, they call them the Olympic Games, but it's kind of like a tongue-in-cheek, punchy, fun weekend. Hmm. So he's like, yes, I want to do this. And so he talks it up, gets it going. And then the first modern games were held in Greece in 1895. The second ones were in Paris, um, but they didn't, they didn't really attract a lot of people. Like they didn't have a lot of momentum. And Mm -hmm. so it was kind of petering out a little bit. And then it was supposed to be in Chicago, but St. Louis got pissed because Chicago got to have the world's fair and they kind of pitched a fit. Hmm. And because remember there was this competition between Chicago and St. Louis, which Mm -hmm. we actually talked about in the veiled profit ball. Mm -hmm. So uh, Corbettone ends up (laughs) saying, okay, we'll bring it to St. Louis. Mm. And it's in 1904. And this article from Slate, which I will link all of these articles on our website, ourdirtylaundrypodcast.com. If you were to ask, how was that Olympics in St. Louis? The Slate article said, it wasn't much of one. The prospect of an arduous trip to a second tier city in the American Midwest (laughs) kept almost all of the top (laughs) European athletes away. Ultimately, fewer than half the events had even one non-American entrant. The Baron himself steered clear of the games, later recalling that he, quote, had a sort of presentiment that the Olympiad would match the mediocrity of the town. St. Louis. (laughs) Burn. I know. As as girls from the Midwest, I I feel a little like offended, but also kind of like, "Mm, that's fair. So so it did not go well, just generally speaking. But here was what else happened at these Olympics that is officially capital B batshit. So Louis Sullivan, Louis, Louis, we'll call him Louis Sullivan, was the one of the organizers. And according to this slate article, he subscribed to the view that the white Anglo-American was at the top of the racial hierarchy in brains and brawn. And this was mm-hmm. where I started to have goosebumps a little bit because you've been teaching me about eugenics. Yeah. And I read this article. I'm like, oh my God, this is this is mm-hmm. like the eugenics and Olympics had a baby. And this is what happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And keep in mind, the Olympics up to that point, still very young, the modern Olympics. It's only happened two other times. And it's very European, like yeah. super, super Euro elite like elitist situation 
So in my notes, I wrote, Louis Sullivan is a total dick. (laughs) (laughs) Here's what happens. Um, Okay. So not only was he just clearly into eugenics and like a racial hierarchy and wanting to prove that through sports, like Mm -hmm. getting excited about physical activity is like the way to prove that white people were better. Um, (laughs) Here's some, well, it's just, uh, (laughs) it's all so stupid. We'll get into it. But Mm -hmm. he was um, at the future Olympics barred women from participating, even though like women's teams wanted to play. This also is just, this is when I wrote what a dick Um, like above and beyond just the standard, Mm -hmm awful people that we learned about um this he says he was organizing the olympic marathon and decided to allow only one water station on the entire course even though it was conducted in 90 degree fahrenheit heat over unpaved rows choked with dust his ostensible reason was to conduct research on purposeful dehydration (laughs) even though everyone knew dehydration was potentially fatal right 26 miles 90 degree weather no water like well, you're just trying to kill people now let's see what happens no wonder no one wanted to come (laughs) i know right like the athletes were his little lab rats yeah here's a little side note to anyone who participated in high school sports is currently participating in high school sports has children participating in high school sports the aau is like a like an amateur high school sports organization they have the james e sullivan award and whereas you would think it would be awarded to like the worst sport and shittiest person in the league (laughs) no it's awarded annually in april to the quote most outstanding amateur athlete in the united states based on the qualities of leadership character sportsmanship and the ideals of amateurism goes far beyond athletic accomplishments yeah it honors those who have shown strong moral character oh so why is it called why is it named Sullivan? Him? Right. Why? Yeah. What? So if anyone mm. wants an action step and they feel as enraged as we do, maybe write yeah. to the AEU and say like, wow, I didn't know that like purposefully experimenting with long distance runners, you know, life yeah. and mm-hmm. believing in a racial hierarchy and setting out to prove that white people are better than everybody else. Like, we hmm. wanted to name an award hmm. after. Ugh, gross. Not right. surprising. No, 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 no. So he, I mean, let's just, obviously we want to keep things in perspective and context. And I, I know both of us believe this, like saying that they were products of their times does not excuse them. It condemns them and their peers even more deeply, like what Mm -hmm. shitty times. And Mm -hmm. of course there are people alive, their contemporaries who called them out on it repeatedly in public and in private. So yeah, but We know from your eugenics lessons to Mm -hmm. us that many very prominent scientists just totally bought into social Darwinism and to this idea. Um, This is from an article on Timeline that I thought was really helpful, that this was the the most important question, they say, to scientists at the turn of the 20th century was whether dark-skinned, quote, primitive peoples from Africa, Asia, and the Americas were equal, both physically and intellectually, to Europeans and their white descendants. Many social scientists of the period believed indigenous people were intellectually inferior to whites. Some speculated that there was a spectrum of intelligence on which the most primitive indigenous communities were at the bottom. Other scholars posited that whatever their intelligence, quote, savages like animals were stronger and faster than white men because they lived in closer proximity to nature. (laughs) Others argued they were inferior in every respect. So that was the debate. 
are they better at sports because they're more like animals or are they worse at sports because they're worse than white people? And what, and then figuring out which theory was true was the point of the 1904 Olympics. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. At the same time, St. Louis is also hosting the hundredth anniversary of the Louisiana purchase. (laughs) What have we learned about anniversaries? (laughs) Problematic. Never good. Question. Um, Question. They had exhibits like come see Lincoln's boyhood cabin or try new foods like peanut butter and cotton candy and waffle cones, which actually sounds delicious. Mm -hmm. Um, Like they had, you know, things like that. Um, They also had a human zoo because that was a thing that happened at the time. At the human zoo. Um, People like they basically the organizers would apparently these people had like agents and there was like a circuit that they, this is how they made money. So is this like the bearded lady or like the super tall people or it's, well, they were like real life people from different parts of the world. And they would rebuild like a little primitive village in like an exhibit. And you'd walk by it and like watch people like sitting in front of their hut like grinding mm. stone in a whatever. But oh. the so the people were themselves like they were actually from where whatever place they were representing. Yeah. But they they were like, I need to get paid. And yeah, it's yeah. basically like minstrelsy a right. little bit, but yeah, it's yeah. not for entertainment. It's supposed to be for education. It was sort okay. of like a living encyclopedia. Like so not like look, the greatest showman kind of a thing. Well there that was they overlapped a little bit okay. for sure. There was some like some of it like, come look at this person with the longest neck in the world. And it's mm. someone who, you know, there's, so there's some rings, the rings yeah. around. Right. Mm-hmm, so there's mm-hmm. definitely some crossover, but when it came to like world's fairs and these, these like human zoos, they were like encyclopedias written by really racist white people <laughs> come to life basically. Right. Um, okay. But the people involved, like, I don't think they were necessarily paid super well, but they, they were like, look, you know, I'm getting paid. It wasn't like they yeah. were captured, captured and didn't and know what was happening. And, yeah. I mean, I'm sure their choice options were pretty shitty, but, yeah, right. um, so yes, there was also, this is the Slate article says this was the beginning of, of the U S as an empire and quote, it's organizers, the fair of the fair wanted the paying customer to marvel at say a new wireless telegraph and a dog eating member of the Philippines Igorot tribe and draw the same conclusion. White Americans are awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's the connection between waffle cones and, you know, empirical or empirical and imperial racist superiority. Um, so they decided to also, so the Olympics was happening but then they decided the fair was happening, that they were also going to have their own sporting event, and they called it Anthropology Days. And this mm. happened August 12th and 13th, 1904. So okay. like, kind of right when people might be listening to this. Mm-hmm. And Susan Brownell is a historian who wrote this edited volume that was too expensive. I didn't feel like buying it, but <laughs> it looks good. And I was able to see some of it. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you to Google Books or however you can preview stuff. But she said that the games, the book is called the 1904 Anthropology Days and Olympic Games, Sport, Race, and American Imperialism. And she said that these games were super important in that they strengthened the identity of the West by defining who we are not. And like, Mm -hmm. basically, like, 
kind of trotting out all these people as spectacles and saying like, aren't we so much more civilized? Aren't we so much more advanced? And if they happen to be better, it's because they're so primitive. They're like animals. And so of course they're going to be stronger, faster. It's like win-win logic. No matter what happens, we're the best. Right. Mm -hmm. So this, so Sullivan got helped by this guy named William McGee. And you've called these people out before. (laughs) When they're an inventor, a geologist, an anthropologist, an ethnologist, you're like, mm-hmm. he's not good at anything. I don't, <laughs> I think you are a jerk. Yes, he was born in Farley, Iowa. So oh, because Iowa. we are Iowa girls, I always like to point out our state being complicit in horrible things. Um, <laughs> he was balance actually... the ego that our state has on <laughs> so ego. many other, even it's, though it's Iowans like are weirdly... like, Texans of the West, like, but in a weird way, we're like proud of being super humble. It's like a weird (laughs) pride. It's a Midwestern pride. That is what it is. (laughs) I mean, I feel it in my bones, and I can feel it like coming out of me when moments that I have to check it. Okay, (laughs) so he, so yes, he was a jack of all trades, master of none Mm -hmm. sort of person. But he was at the time like one of the most prestigious scientists. He was um, at various points in his career the acting president of the American. Association for the Advancement of Science, the president of the American Anthropological Association, um, and the National Geographic Society. Actually, those Mm. last two, he was that role when these games were happening. So, like, the number one lead scientist is who's setting up these games. So, just keep that would be like um, (laughs) Neil deGrasse Tyson. Is that his name? Mm -hmm. Like, also running like just a horrifying. Just sideshow Sideshow. of (laughs) horrible things, right? It's weird. Okay. By the way, his wife is actually someone I wanted to look into more. Her name's Anita Newcomb McGee, and she was the, she's considered the founder of the United States Army Nurse Corps, was the first woman authorized to wear an army uniform, and she was the acting assistant surgeon general during the Spanish American War, Hmm. um, and then also worked in Japan during the Russo-Japanese War and is just like this really famous physician and nurse. But it makes sense then because all of those wars were part of the imperial project and like empire building for the United States. And so I think that lines up really nicely with like, we're better, they're more primitive, savage. Mm -hmm. And like best case scenario, you have like, like a pity or you're like, oh, look, I'm going to clap for the dancing monkeys. You know, it's mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. a like a very patronizing compliment yeah. that you might give yeah. people. So they actually called it the Special Olympics. Um, <laughs> I know, totally not related to the current Special Olympics. But basically the idea was that they would be able to demonstrate the inherent inferiority of the world's indigenous people. And that oh McGee gosh. was using it as data for research, that he wanted it to to generate a body of data that would help him prove that there was a racial hierarchy. That literally was the point. Hmm. So they recruited people from the human zoo to compete and ended up like offering them like money, monetary prizes to do different things. But it was like, um, they were already doing some stuff for the fair, like ethnic dancing and pole climbing and stuff. But they, um, Yeah, they had the shot put, the high jump, the long jump, the mile, and it did not go well. So it was not advertised particularly well. Well, kind of for anyone, I'm (laughs) sure. But yeah, it's so, yeah. Well, let's say for Sullivan and McGee, it didn't really like 
meet their Take goals. Off. So, right. Mm. Well, the Department of Marketing was actually called the Department of Exploitation, and they did not oh. do their job very well, which I love. They were just full <laughs> up like, oh, yeah, our job's to exploit people. Yeah. That's, that's what we should call name. all marketing departments and all right, businesses right. from now no, no, on. I majored in exploitation. That's what it should be when you get an MBA. Manipulation and exploitation. <laughs> uh, right. So here's what happened. Like, none of the events... They wanted to prove like, oh, they're going to do these events and they're not going to be as good as white people. But what happened is that like the event would start, but people didn't know what the events were. And so they just like didn't do anything. So they mm-hmm. said that, um, that it was too many different languages spoken and they didn't give directions <laughs> in people's languages. Oh, yeah. So like the starting gun would go off and people would just stand there like, why are you shooting a gun? <laughs> Just kind of amazing. Or like, you know how you run a race and you like, whoever breaks the tape first and the tape goes on your chest and you're like, yay. They, so even when people realized they were supposed to run, they didn't know what to do with the tape. So people would just stop right at the tape or go under it, like (laughs) crawl under it. Um, Then there were other like um, a tree climbing content things. They were like, okay, well maybe we need activities that these quote, savages will be good at. So they had a tree climbing contest, fighting demonstrations, a lacrosse <clears throat> a lacrosse match between Mohawk and Seneca people, and mud throwing, at, which I don't know. <laughs> like, okay. I don't know. So according to Timeline, <laughs> by all accounts, this was a massive failure. The Patagonian men, who were expected to dominate the shot put, given their large stature, performed so poorly um, that in the words of Sullivan, it astonished all who witnessed it. Sprinters <laughs> stopped the race just before arriving at the finish line which I told you about only three of the 24 men in the javelin throwing competition hit the mark. And of the six men who agreed to attempt a 56 pound weight throwing competition, three Patagonians and three Ainu from Northern Japan all refused a second attempt to better their score. They're like, I don't care. I like, I'm literally doing this because you paid me. I don't care. At the tug of war, the Arapaho competitors arrived dressed in their finery with no intention of being dragged through the mud. So they're like, we're not doing this. We're like, dressed up no Mm -hmm. in the eyes of its organizers the biggest disappointment of all was that the event confirmed none of the era's prevailing theories about the vast differences between quote primitive and civilized men all it proved was that the participating natives either were ignorant of the rules knew the rules but saw an opportunity to muddle them or simply didn't have enough incentive to perform which is kind of amazing hysterical i know so um Yeah. So for Sullivan, he tried to spin it like, see, look how dumb they are. They don't even know how to play these games. Um, For (laughs) They were never given the rules to. (laughs) Yeah. Or like care. They don't care. They're like not games that they just like. If you ask me to do, I'd be like, what? I don't. I'm not incentivized in any way. Internal, extrinsic, nothing. Like I don't Mm -hmm. care at all. Um, but they, there were some events that they were like, well, you should be good at this, like javelin throwing, because you have spears. And so why aren't, why aren't you good at this? You must be worse. So they tried yeah. to claw out some data. And then they ended up holding a second event that they publicized, I'm sorry, exploited better mm. in the following <laughs> month. And that, um, this is comes from timeline. Despite that event, it, it went better, like 30,000 people came. Um, But although the competitions failed to measure natural ability, they established, quote, this is according to McGee, in quantitative measure, the inferiority of primitive peoples in physical faculty, if not in intellectual grasp. This is the leading scientist of the day. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then Corbetan, the French founder, who's like trying to get the Olympics up and running, is, of course, like, like. Oh, fuck. Like, this is my big idea. And like, this is what's happening. So he said, as for that outrageous trade, 
I'm sure he says charade. It will, of course, <laughs> lose its appeal when black men, red men, and yellow men learn to run, jump, and throw, and leave the white men behind them, which is one of those, like, weird backhanded compliments, mm-hmm. too. Like, oh, yeah, I don't know. It's just all gross. Um, and then the next time it ends up being in London, and it, like, kind of takes off from there, and then it becomes the Olympics that we know. Um, mm-hmm. And at that Olympics, actually, or a, a couple of, yeah, the next Olympics, Frank Pierce, who's a Seneca man, became the first Native American Olympian. Then in 1912, like two Olympics further, Jim Thorpe, who's one of the greatest athletes of all time, just dominated the 1912 Olympics and is Native American. And now I can't remember what nation he's from. I'll look that up. Um, and then at the ninth, oh, this was at the 1904 games that Frank Pierce won, like in St. Louis, but mm. no one, like Sullivan, of course, and McGee are like, hmm. And then George Poage, I think is his name. He won gold in the 400 meter hurdles and was the first African-American Olympian to win a gold medal in 1904. Mm. So they clearly are ignoring that data. Yeah. Um, I will end though with this really interesting story that I want to learn everything about. So I was curious, like, was it only men who participate in these games? But thanks to the book about, um, oh gosh, Susan Brownell's book about the anthropology days in Olympic games. Mm -hmm. There was an essay in there about the Fort Shaw 10. And then I went down this really deep rabbit hole. So I will just give people a teaser because I thought it was really fascinating. So during these games, they did have a basketball competition for women and that there were, there was a team from the Fort Shaw boarding school in Montana, which was an American Indian boarding school. And those were places where, I mean, just think of this time period, like late 1800s, early 1900s, where native peoples just have really been devastated. They're impoverished. Like there, there's just generations of surviving attempts at genocide will like do a number on your community, obviously. And Mm -hmm. so for some families who were just in horrible situations because of the colonialism and the, the settler expansion that had happened, we're faced with this really horrible choice. And in some cases, the government forced them to give their kids to them. And in some cases, the families quote chose, but it feels like such a, like a horrible set of circumstances. It doesn't really feel like much of a choice, but these boarding schools were places where, you know, they were basically super forced assimilation. Like you can't speak your native languages. You have to cut your hair. You have to wear American clothes. You have to do, you have to become Christian, like all of these things. Um, so just separated from their families, just cut off from their cultures, like a pretty awful situation. And it's complicated because there were for, for some native people, I don't, I don't know anyone. I'm sure that I can't imagine any native person going to those schools and thinking like, you know what? That was pretty great, you know, Mm -hmm. but there were for some like, well, it also gave me some access to these other things that I wouldn't have had access to otherwise. And so I don't know, it's they're in some ways a little bit complicated. And this story I think is an example of that. So these girls uh, played basketball at the boarding school and were like really strong, like, self, I don't like self-efficacious, like strong in self sorts of young women. Mm-hmm. And so at the fair, they actually had a model Indian school set up at the fair to teach other people about this system as like mm-hmm. a good thing. Mm-hmm. And that they set it up. There was a place called Indian Hill and they set it up right next to 
exhibits, uh, like human zoo exhibits of native people. So yeah. that, so then it was trying to prove like, look how these schools work because these mm-hmm. women, these young women are poised and speak English clearly and, you know, have all these skills. And then look at these really primitive savage people. Like, obviously yeah. this is such a great thing. Yeah. So deeply fucked up. Mm-hmm. Um, but the girls played basketball and just dominated and mm-hmm. won the championship. Like, and they, they played against, there was a guy who organized in the area, like all of the best alumni from the high schools that played girls basketball into like a super team of white girl basketball players. Mm -hmm. And they just destroyed them. Like Mm. they played three games, the white team forfeited once and then just got crushed in the other two games. Um, so they ended up like winning the championship. There's a short PBS documentary about it that I thought was really, really interesting, really powerful. Um, And then they went back to the boarding school and like, you know, lived the rest of their lives. There's a lot of other twists and turns to the story, but I thought, wow, that's Mm. interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, that's, that's the anthropology days and the third ever Olympics, the first Olympics in the U S yeah, we just, we always have a way of (laughs) taking it. That's what we do (laughs) to some really dark places. Way to go. USA. USA. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems, doesn't it match up so well with the eugenic stuff you've been yeah. teaching now? Yeah. I mean, it was all around that same time period. That's when like exactly. Davenport and all those people were getting going in the United States with all of that. So it's not surprising that it was the exact same idea, but nonetheless, and perfectly, depressing. perfectly acceptable science. Like, yes, yeah. this is science. Yeah. Ugh, I only hope our science has gotten better. I mean, I think it has, but still, there are still parts of it that are incredibly racist well, and sexist. This book and, you're reading about yeah. the reemergence of race science does yeah. not make me feel super no. confident. Mm-mm. No, there's still some pretty horrible things in there. We'll get more into that in some of our in our longer episodes about eugenics, which we still have going on now. So join us. Also, I was going to say, since we've been super downers and depressing about the Olympics <laughs> the past two minis, I did. Um, read this article and then go and get on Leslie Jones Instagram. Oh page. my God. Comedian yes. Leslie Jones. Who's, yes. You know, um, she does what a Saturday night life and she's, and is obsessed with the Olympics. Hysterical, yes. And she's obsessed with the Olympics <laughs> and all yes. of her feed on her Instagram for however long the Olympics going on. It's just videos of her narrating these clips of the Olympics and, it's the best thing you've ever watched. Like (laughs) if I was going to watch the Olympics, I want to watch it with Leslie Jones because she's hysterical and she has the best commentary. So if you want a little upper of the Olympics, yes, I think go look at these videos. Feels good. I, I follow her on Twitter and I'm not, I don't pay attention to Twitter very often, but I was scrolling through the other day and she had retweeted a video with Quinta Bronson, who I think is like one of the funniest people on the planet. She's in, um, she was in the first season of that, the black lady sketch show. I don't know if you've watched mm-hmm. it, but she's mm-hmm. hysterical. So the video is her, she's a black woman. She's like super, super petite. And she is playing like an Olympic skier. And so the wider, the reporter is this white dude. Who's like, you know, you came in second and you missed <laughs> that jump. And she's like, I yeah. Yeah, I came in second. Oh my God. And he's like, you know, you missed it. She's like, yeah, I knew I'd miss it. I was just trying something new. Like back, like, what'd you do today? You know? Yeah. <laughs> like, he's like, you know, second. that German, 
that German looked really good. She's like, yeah, they look great. Good job. You know, like <laughs> I got second in the Olympics. Like, of course, that's how you would feel like it. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure some people are disappointed if they get silver, but I thought it was amazing. Like, it's very funny. We will link to yeah. it on yes. our website and encourage everyone to follow Leslie Jones. <laughs> oh, she's funny. All right, guys. Um, that was fun. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I mean, as fun as that's our kind of fun. <laughs> yeah. Our kind of. Fine. Join us again if you like that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hopefully you do. Oh, and we should say not just joining us, but share and subscribe because yeah. we know these histories are super important to lift up and remember and not let people pretend don't exist or make it legal in certain states to teach about. So please, please fight back against that willful ignorance and share, subscribe, you know, spread the word. So, yeah. and, and get the books and things we mentioned. These people are doing really awesome work. So support yep. that history. All right. Thanks everybody. Yay. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.